back to the Whole Topic Podcast. This is episode nine, and we're talking about processing the gardens. Um, if you are new to gardening or even an old gardener who is very good at what you do. Experienced. Yes, we are going to just kind of talk about easy ways to process your garden. Um, you can make it very complicated or you can make it very easy. Before we get into that, just make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel and any streaming platforms we have going. We will leave those in the link below, follow our Instagram page and our Facebook page because we want to hang out with you. So <laughs> let's get started. So um, my first question to you guys, and I can give an opinion on this too when you guys are done, is what are the main vegetables you like, stable vegetables you're like, I will always have these in my garden. And we're going to start with you, Ariel. Ready, set, go. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, All of them? I know. Uh, all of the above? Is that an answer? All of them? A minus eggplants, because I don't like them. And it's anything that my family will eat, but we're on a rotation schedule. So like if I did a bajillion tomatoes last year, I'm not going to be putting up any tomatoes this year. So I'm going to focus on something else in the garden, maybe corn, maybe maybe something else. But I try to go off of what my family will eat. Yes. So, but for a new gardener who's just starting out, like, and what would be like your top five? Yes. What would be the ones you would say, try these know, before you hard. go crazy? It would be the same thing. Whatever you think you want to eat. Okay. But only pick maybe like five, maybe pick only just a handful so that you can learn everything you want to know about that plant, how to plant it, how to prune it, how to harvest it, how to do all the things with it. That way you're only starting with those and you can master them. Because once once you do a good job of raising something and you succeed, you get the bug and right. you just want to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so then I guess based off that answer, if someone didn't have any idea what their family would want to grow, mm -hmm. what are yeah. the easiest plants to get started with? I think tomatoes and onions are probably going to be your easiest. There's a few pests to look out for with tomatoes, but you can spot those easily. Awesome, really fast. Onions yeah. are pretty foolproof. Huh? I said you can spot bugs on tomatoes really quickly. Yeah, yeah, you can. But I think, or herbs, I, I don't know, Steph, do you have any that are like foolproof for you? What are your staples? So my staples that I would say um, for my family is, well, first I'm going to piggyback on Ariel and that is definitely only grow what your family will eat. I mean, mm -hmm. it, like she said, don't grow things that your family will eat. It is a complete waste of time. Now I'm not saying you can't try new things, but don't go all out with those. So maybe you don't know if your family likes eggplant or you don't know if your family likes squash, just do one, yes, plant yeah. one plant, see if they like it. If they don't, then there's no harm, no foul. And you didn't waste a whole garden bed in it. If they like it, then, you know, next year you can do more. For us, yeah. I think it's butternut squash. Like, yeah, I cannot yeah. figure out how to get Ours sweet potatoes. Love. I mean, nobody yeah. in my family likes sweet potatoes. Nobody does. Yeah. I would love to grow them. And yeah, I've gotten all the things about how to, how to uh, preserve them, but nobody likes them. So why am I going to grow? <laughs> Although, okay. So on butternut squash, I did find out. A macaroni and cheese one. I found well, that. <laughs> No, but I also get that canned pumpkin a lot of times in it, butternut squash. Mm -hmm. So you can interchange them. Mm -hmm. And so when I found that out, mm -hmm. that did make me want to plant a few more butternut squashes. Like, but I still want my but yeah, yep. I want my so If I'm going to plant something, I'm going to plant pumpkin over butternut squash. Yes. They're the, but, but those are easy to grow. Those are super easy to grow yes. and they are very versatile. And, yes. But that is one of those plants that my family right. just didn't like. And we did a whole bunch one year. 
And then you, it was a waste. It was and a, a big waste. Yeah. Mainly my fault because I'm like, I'm the head chef. And so I was like, I ain't like it and I ain't cooking with it. Yeah, and that's that wasn't probably the best example. Yeah. So I would say my top five would be tomatoes, green beans, cucumbers. I'm, I'm visualizing my garden right now and moving through it. We love broccoli. So I would say broccoli is another one. However, I have not figured broccoli out in my zone out here in Missouri yet. And it's starting to really tick me off, but that's okay. Um, wow. And then potatoes. Potatoes are so easy and we go through so many potatoes. So yeah. those would be my top five to grow. Um, and they're all pretty full. I mean, you, you'll get some bugs on, on some of that stuff, but overall they're very easy to learn on yes Mm -hmm. Um, but like Ariel had said in the beginning too is I would for sure um start small and grow Mm -hmm. from there you'll get the bug Mm -hmm. once you have a successful easy garden Mm -hmm. and you'll want to do more and there will be time for more but when you are learning if you go in and plant 30 tomato plants and you've never canned before you've never processed freshly grown food before you will go absolutely nuts because you will have a lot or you will have, you know, not a lot. And, you know, one thing that I had to learn really quickly and as a new gardener, you will learn really quickly is that you may be the best gardener. You may get the bug, you grow this thriving plant and your garden is going crazy and you pick it all. You learn everything you can do about gardening and harvesting and fertilizing and all of it. And then you have all this produce in buckets and baskets and bowls in your kitchen and you have absolutely no idea what to do with it and that is where Mm -hmm. this episode is going to come in so that's why you start small is maybe Mm -hmm. you'll get the bug right away and that first year you can grow a ginormous thriving garden but if you don't know the other side of it Mm -hmm. it's still a waste so um that would be my biggest recommendation on that good one so making sure that you have the tools to put up yep and like and a plan yeah. And a plan. Yes. And a plan. And a plan. Making sure your family yeah. likes it. Yep. Yep. And then if you don't really care and your family doesn't really care and you're just trying to test them out. Yep. Then the ones they recommend. Give it, it away. To be easy. Yeah. Give it away. Give away yep. extras. Yep. Um, so that is another option. And I would say, and then this is kind of jumping off, you know, down the list, but um, utilize your freezer. I mean, not all produce, you can do that, but sometimes I just get so overwhelmed with what's coming in and I pop things in the freezer to put up later. Yes. <laughs> and that, and that does work. Very yeah. Hard. Yep. That definitely works. So speaking of yeah, processing, let's start with tomatoes. So I did tell you guys that when I first experienced peeling canning tomatoes, I was peeling toma- tomatoes and I was like, I don't want to do this with my wife. Like this is, this is not a priority. So, and then when I met Ariel, I remember her bringing some tomato sauce over and I was like, wow, this is so good. Like, it's delicious. What'd you do? And she's like, oh, I just roasted the tomatoes and then blended them up and then I just canned them. And I was like, wait a second. So you took the whole Mm -hmm. tomato, you roasted it with olive oil or whatever you told me to put Mm -hmm. on it. And then you blended it and that was it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, from here on out, (laughs) I solemnly swear, no, (laughs) that's how I, that's how I turned (laughs) out my tomatoes. And it went so fast mm-hmm. and so smoothly and all of my family loved it. And I didn't add any sugar to it. It didn't need any sugar. It didn't need any. All I needed to do was roast it and it got that sweet, mm-hmm. like, heavenly taste. So here's the question then. Um, we'll start with Stephanie this time. Okay. How do you process tomatoes? Mm-hmm. What kinds of things do you make with your tomatoes? Tomatoes. Tomatoes. 
because we all want tomatoes. So I uh -huh. tomatoes. So how do you process tomatoes? And what are your favorite ways to do them? Okay, so I do it in three ways, and I actually have a blog post out on it. So I, we can drop the link in the description if you want to read it, because I'll probably go through them pretty quickly. But number one is can, and you can do it in two ways. You can do it exactly how Andrea and Ariel just said, where you roast them. And I actually, I do that fresh. Um, my favorite thing about summertime is going and just picking a basket full of produce in the garden popping it in the oven. So I'll take tomatoes, fresh basil, oregano, whatever I got, onions, garlic, put all on a baking sheet, pop it in the oven until they get caramelized, put it in my blender with some salt and blend it up. And there's my sauce. And we use it for pizza uh, sauce. We use it for anything. She's genius. So we, <laughs> I, is. I will use a whole food mill and do sauce that way, which takes forever. So you uh -huh. have to have time, but I do do that too. Um, so there's ways to can it. Um, of course, making um, paste, diced tomatoes, or sauce out of your out of your tomatoes. But my other ways that I do it is I freeze them, and skins and all. And then I make that tomato sauce where I put them in the oven and do all of that, even in the dead of winter with my frozen tomatoes. It's just as easy, just as simple. They just take just a little bit longer in the oven because they're frozen. Um, but that I take all my extra cherry tomatoes and I freeze all of them. I pick what I want. I usually do about five or six plants of cherry tomatoes and I, um, I will use them for fresh salads, fresh eating, whatever, but the rest of them, cause you know how much they produce and I will freeze all of those cherry tomatoes and they make really good sauce and it's kind of sweet. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. and then my second way of doing it is I dehydrate them. And I put them, blend them up into a powder. And I use that at, in my Spanish rice recipe. So I use it all year long. Mm. Um, I have it on my website. In place, in place of the, pure, you can puree tomatoes in my Spanish rice recipe, or I take a couple teaspoons of my dehydrated So do you have powder. your Spanish rice recipe? It is on my website. Okay, we're yes. going to link that. Yes. Because she makes really good food. <laughs> I will make sure, yeah, to do that. So I dehydrate, I freeze. Or I can. Those are my three ways that I put up my tomatoes. And it just depends on the time of that week. If I have a buttload of tomatoes that need to be put up, sometimes all I have time for is to get all hands on decks to slice, wash them, slice them in half, lay them on a cookie sheet and flash freeze them to put them in the freezer. So if you flash freeze your tomatoes, they will not stick together when you freeze them. And then you can just dump out what you need to make a sauce. Yeah. That's kind of like strawberries and blueberries. Yes. All just like any of that, you can flash freeze yeah. them and then they won't stick together when you put them in a Ziploc bag. So those are my ways. What are your ways, Ariel? Um, I stopped doing sauce really One, we have way too much sauce and nobody's <laughs> eating the sauce. Um, but I will still use that same pureed sauce for mm -hmm. the roasted and pureed for pizza yeah. sauce. But mm -hmm. then I realized the only th other thing that my family eats with tomatoes is diced. So yeah. I just wash them, dice them up, put them in a jar, and mm -hmm. then it's probably salt and there might be something else in there. And then hot water and I water bath them. That's yeah. it. Yeah, I've done that. It. I've done that too. Like I just dice the tomatoes and do them with water. But it, the mm -hmm. same thing, the same roasted tomatoes that you taught me how to make. I yeah. didn't know if you knew you taught me. I just figured yeah, it out. I, I just did it. <laughs> I know. You've, you've told me before. Me. Yeah. But I've also taken that same recipe and then added, um, for tomato soup during the, oh, I just yeah. turn it into a tomato soup, add the spices, add my cream yes. cheese, yep. Yep. add the basil and all that stuff to it then. Yep. And that, another thing I love about just making Delicious. a base sauce 
is that you can add your onions or carrots or whatever you do. Every time you make your sauce, you yep. can make it a little differently if yep. you wanted to. Yep. So that's another benefit of doing that. Yeah. So make it, have, I love the versatileness. That's of not that. even a word, but it's it, is it is now. <laughs> of yes. that roasted tomato sauce. Yes. You yep. get to process it mm-hmm. and have it for soup and pizza sauce and tomato sauce mm-hmm. and whatever you want to use. Yep. So let's yeah. move on to the next thing. So what is the easiest way to process your green beans? Oh, um, easiest way? Ugh, probably freezing them. I don't like frozen green beans. So we'll do dilly beans or canned plain beans or um, I've even, I, I bought one of those. It's a hand one, but it splits the beans. So you can have string beans. Like and the French cut or whatever. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And they have an old crank one that just sits clamps yeah. on your, yeah, I oh. love that. Um, we did freeze dry some green beans and that was delicious. Ooh, I, I feel like all the vegetables, like a freeze chip, dry. Huh? it's like a chip yeah. it's delicious. and it's so good for you. So yeah. mm-hmm. those are the ways we like to do it, but I don't know if they're easy. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's really any easy way besides canning or not canning, um, freezing, freezing them. And my family yeah. doesn't care for frozen green beans either. Yeah. Um, so is, little... it, is it hard to, cause it... I've actually never canned. My family loves steamed green beans. So my husband grew up on canned green beans, like canned from the store. So do you canned find corn. it easy to do that? Um, it, it, there's a process cause you're using a pressure. You have to use a pressure canner to mm-hmm. can the green beans. Um, but he says that they taste just like his canned green beans from his childhood. Cause I stopped, I won't buy him canned green beans. <laughs> when so I don't go through the work and my kids, my love raw green beans. So they'll sit around the table and munch green beans and snap them for me because they like to eat them raw. So I got little hands. Easy way to get it done. Yes. Have your kids help snap them. They, so we snap them and then you just, I do the raw pack method. So I stuff them into a jar pour them hot water. I put a little bit of salt on them and pressure can them. Okay. Yep. So it's not a, a, labor intensive process but it takes takes time because you gotta snap them all and then the pressure canner obviously takes time too okay i don't know if we've ever had very much corn make it to the freezer because it's so delicious and we just eat it over and over again but hypothetically if one were to can corn or to freeze corn how do you do that? What is the easiest way? I've never done it so that's on you okay so (laughs) first year i'm actually getting some good corn yeah yeah Awesome, because we have yet to get good corn that we actually grow. Because the raccoons, they come and they peel them and they eat them like, like little pandas, trash pandas. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, we I really like creamed corn. If there's anything that you would can, I think you should cream corn, canned cream corn, and it's just cutting the kernels off of it and uh, bringing your the back of your knife down the side to get all the cream out of the corn. Yeah, yeah, and then you're canning that. It's again pressure cooker. Yeah. But we've also decided to cut ears in half to make them smaller and we will freeze half corns for the winter. So those are, you, otherwise we put it in soup mixes. Yeah. Do you have to, when you freeze like corn on the cob, do you have to blanch that first or can you just freeze it straight into the freezer? I didn't. And it okay. was fine. And it was fine. Okay, great. It was fine. That's yeah. great. Cause that's kind of um, what I'm planning on doing. Cause my family loves corn on the cob. They like yeah corn in general but corn on the cob they love yeah and then we also did try freeze drying and again it's like it's like candy yes yeah. really I need a freeze dryer. dryer yeah 
Yeah. We're not jealous. <laughs> go, not go, go in on one. And I know. We really we should. I know we should, but we don't live close enough together. I will visit you every week. Okay. No, but like something we did is we um we just froze it. Like we just cut it off the, the cob and just yeah. froze it. Yeah. And we would just eat the sweet corn. We loved it. Like yeah. we, I don't think we've ever had corn leftover. Like that is our yeah. absolute favorite way to eat it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sweet corn. I have never tried growing anything outside of sweet corn. So I don't know what it tastes like. I can't vouch for it, but it's good. It's, uh, it depends on what you want to do with it. I like to grow the maize corn and then dry it in the, the, what's the way that you see all the Native Americans doing it? They just hang dry it. Oh yeah. yeah. And then, I think that's so and then, pretty. It is pretty. So pretty. The colorful ones. I tried growing purple ones in my dead, my dead beet garden the other day or last year. It didn't work, but I will when I get my soils completely together. Yes. Yeah. It's definitely better this year. Things are coming up. Definitely better. Good. But we're both like, we still realize we have to do some more, more, give some more love to it. Yeah. But it, just to see the seeds pop up, like that's progress. Like, right. That's yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So let's talk about, I, I specifically broccoli and cauliflower. Um, those are some, those could be cold crops. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, for us, I don't know if we've ever grown enough to, we just eat a lot, like not to be, we just do like with eight people in the house. So like cauliflower, we probably would never. And cauliflower and broccoli is hard because you get one head off of a plant. So that's hard. So, but if you were to do something with it, what's the easiest, most effective way for the new gardener to process that? I mean, it could be, could be labor intensive, but is the process easy? what would you guys say would be the so I want to chime in on this because for the (laughs) longest time I was growing this single head broccoli Mm -hmm. and I hated that I could never put up enough because it takes so much space and we eat it so we found a variety of mini broccoli um happy rich is what it's called and it is a hybrid but there's other varieties too that are like this they send up mini broccolets and you just con- consistently pick them throughout the season. They were one of the first things to to actually come to fruition in my garden. I think mid-June okay. was when they started to floret. And literally, I was picking twice a week. And I would get, well, we had a 50-foot row. So, yeah. but I got a big, a big stainless steel bowl full of broccolettes every week. And we would divide it between the families and we would freeze it. That's and amazing. So I don't like to freeze it. I mean, I don't like to can it, but yeah, yeah. I yeah. freeze it too, but I've always blanched mine. Do you blanch yours first or you just put it straight in? Okay. I, that's an unnecessary step then. I'm lazy. Well, I am too. And if I don't, but broccoli is my absolute favorite vegetable. So I don't want to mess it up. Yes. Right. So I'm going to look into this because I have yet to get a broccoli plant here in Missouri. And it's driving me absolutely bonkers because we don't have a cold weather season here, really. Right. You know what I mean? Like in California, we I planted in the fall, middle of the winter. I had these beautiful broccoli plants because we never got snow in where right. I live in California. So here it's driving me and I'm trying to figure out, I thought I put it in early enough this year, but I'm still just getting very baby heads right now. And I know it's going to get the middle of summer and I'm not going to get it. They're going to bolt. bolt before I can even get to them. So when mm-hmm. do you put your broccoli in the ground? Uh, for us, because we're so far North, it's different. So we have to put ours in, in May and I have to wait until the soil temp is, is at the right temp. 
So, that, and that's the thing I would look for is the soil temp for your broccoli. But okay. I think they have a low one. I think it's like they can stay in 32. They so can. As, oh yeah, they can. As long as they're just yeah. not getting snowed on. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, but so maybe I need to even put them in maybe in middle of April. Okay. So you don't blanch yours. You just toss, toss it in the freezer. Does it not stick? No. Okay. And you blanch yours. I, I blanch mine I blanch and mine. then flash freeze them. And they're they not wet. Huh? Don't don't wash them and then try to bag them and freeze them. Then they're gonna stick. But if they're okay. dry, okay. if they're dry, okay, yeah, that's good to know. As okay. far as cauliflower, so I had don't know if I've met any of my gardening friends that actually can their broccoli. So there's probably someone out there that just adores canned broccoli, but I have yet to mm. meet them. I think it would be kind of mushy. <laughs> yes. However, cauliflower, I don't. I have never done that either. Uh, that's usually a freezer one. It's probably yeah. similar to the broccoli. Yeah. But there is something, and this is going to be up on my blog, probably by the time I put this episode out, because it's one of our favorite things to do with um, cauliflower. You basically you cut all the little heads off. Mm -hmm. That sounds morbid, but that's what you do. And you steam it until it's just tender. You put it in the bottom of a nine by 13 pan. Mm -hmm. And then you take one and a half to two cups of mayonnaise and mix it with about, I would say maybe three tablespoons of mustard. And you mix that up really, really well. You Pour it on top mm -hmm. and then you cover it with a ton of cheddar cheese Ooh, and then you bake it until it's like bubbly it is like heaven in a dish hmm. so that, that is delicious. one that's not to frosting for yes. later but that's frosting to eat now <laughs> i need it ever tried it yeah. you should try it if you are mm -hmm. okay with mayo or mustard if you're not okay with mayonnaise i don't know don't don't trust me on that one but mm -hmm. you do have anything with cheese on it and it'll taste good. yes just mm -hmm. add another way for broccoli that i've done is um do fermented or not broccoli cauliflower cauliflower for fermented cauliflower so you Ooh. put like onions and peppercorns and all kinds of stuff garlic mm -hmm. and little your so cauliflower good, and mm -hmm. stick it on the counter and ferment it for a couple of days and then they're kind of like a dilly yeah they also do uh canned veggie mixes yes um um With like uh, pickled, pickled yeah it's all mm -hmm. it's everything that it's an assortment of your garden and you yep. just pickle it yep so yep. yeah those are good yeah never grown enough to where we could actually freeze any of it like we grew a lot but yeah but it was still not enough to put, to put up. up waste your yeah. time to put up yeah yeah yeah. Okay. The Ariel, this question's for you. If someone has a uh, place to store, like a root cellar, what are some good crops they can store for several months without canning? Um, what are some, some, like, what would you recommend that they- The root, the root vegetables and make sure that they play nice together because like onions and potatoes don't store well together. So if you're having them in the same space in the root cellar without proper airflow and distance, they're going to rot each other. So like potatoes, onions, beets, carrots, uh, I think kohlrabi would actually do really good in the ground too. Um, what else is there? That's a garlic. root vegetable. Garlic. Yep. My butternut squash stored well, but it stored too well, especially for someone who does who not appreciate butternut squash. <laughs> yeah. It's like the lid would live eternally. Probably just despite me. eat me. <laughs> yeah. It's funny that you say that because there was um, Charles Dowding. He's a English uh, farmer, kind of uses back to Eden garden style, um, but he just consistently is making compost and adding compost to beds and like that's how he gardens. But anyway, he he had a post one day and it was about squashes sitting in the sun in um, by a bay window and his squashes lasted all year. And I was like, I've never seen somebody store their squash 
in the sun before. So I tried that. Sure enough, it worked with at least the spaghetti squash. It worked really well within the pumpkins. And then I was reading through um, the Foxfire books. Do you know those books? Mm-mm. Oh, guys, we need to stop everything right now. And you need <laughs> to go and get the Foxfire series. They're fantastic. It's um, old Appalachian stories about homesteading and everything. And each chapter is different. Like that. Yeah. yeah, you would love it. Um, but there was a a grandma who was in there and she was talking about how they would store their potatoes and their onions in the root cellar, but all the squashes went in the attic where it's dry and dark. Hmm. And I thought that was really interesting too. Hmm. So yeah, they I haven't tried the it. Humidity. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Interesting. Yeah. 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 Interesting. We're getting ready to put a, um, my husband's getting ready to have someone dig out a massive root cellar behind our barn. Awesome. Um, I'm going to make it look so cutesy and stuff, which I'm probably more concerned about than the root cellar. <laughs> but with, with until that, you're hungry. Yeah. Yeah, until yeah, you're hungry. yeah. We can't, because of the heat down here, we can't store, like we tried to store some of our canned goods in our barn and like the yeah, lids were popping. Work. Yeah. So yeah. like um, having a root cellar is it's really going to be a big deal. It's just good to know for people that might want to have some food through the winter. What are some filling? Like one of the reasons we grow butternut squash even though I haven't quite totally figured out what I want to do with it is because it's a filling food. Mm -hmm. And if you ever get to a place like we did a couple of years ago, where you had to realize you, maybe you couldn't go to the grocery store. You have those root vegetables that you'll probably enjoy if you're hungry enough. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. That's I tell my children that too. Yep. (laughs) You would like this if you were, you would like sweet potatoes. If you you were hungry. hungry. Yes. So, Mm -hmm. um, Mm-hmm. That leads us to the next question is, what is the best way to preserve potatoes? Is it just in a root cellar or is there some other options that people have? Well, Steph. so my idea, so this last year, my was the first year I ever tried growing potatoes and it was kind of a bust. 50% of my plants did well, the other 50, but last year was a terrible year in the garden because of our drought and buds and everything. So I didn't get a normal harvest. This year, I accidentally pulled up one of my potato plants when I was weeding around it and I had an abundance of potatoes, so I'm super excited about my potato harvest, but I need to now, what I just preached at the beginning of this episode, I need to think through what I'm going to do with them. And so a few of the things I have planned to do, and again, when it's time for harvest, it always depends on my week and what's going on. Good thing about potatoes is they're not like a tomato or something where you're a race against the clock. If they sit on my counter for a week or two, it's not going to be the end of the world when I harvest them. But one of the ways I'm going to do is convenience meals. Get some soups, some stews, some already ready to go meals with the meat, the vegetables, everything in it. Don't you have a soup recipe on your blog? I do have a loaded baked potato soup recipe. We're going to post that because that was very popular on her blog this last year. Yes. Because it's the best thing to just dump into your pot and heat up when you're ready to eat. So if I can preserve my potatoes in a meal that's already ready, I'm going to do that. Um, Another way, Mm -hmm. but that's obviously going to take time. So I have to have a good amount of time in my day to be able to do that. The other way that I'm thinking of doing besides, because my basement's not ready, I don't really have a root cellar ready for them. Um, is I'm going to, I found in Melissa K. Norris's, um, what's her book? It's her newest book, Everything Worth Preserving, I think is what it's called. Um, she froze or she shows how to make 
freezer hash browns out of your homegrown potatoes. Yep. So I think I'm going to do that with some of them as well. Cause we eat a lot of hash browns. Okay. That's the way to do it. That's actually sounds, yeah. my kids would love that. I've tried canning yeah. them and they're still sitting on my shelf right now. They, yeah. in a pinch, we'll use them for mashed potatoes, but you can tell they're not, they're not good. No, no, we hate our canned potatoes. Soup. Have you ever tried them in a soup? Yeah. And it yeah. still tastes nasty? Oh no, they were fine in the soup. Um, yeah. Don't leave the skins on when you can them. No, and I didn't do yeah. that. Um, but they just, they just get, I don't know. They're slimy. They're kind of yeah. slimy and mushy and... I have a friend that's kind of a canning rebel and she cans them dry without. That's what I read. Dude, I just found out about that. Do it though. Do it. Have you done it? it. No, but I'm going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so scared. My friend said it multiple times and her husband's like, these are the best potatoes ever, even better than fresh. Like, and they fry up in a pan like that. She says she just puts butter in a pan and dumps them. Literally no water. She just skins the potatoes, dices them up puts them into a jar and pressure cans them. No liquid. Yep. In the no jar. Liquids. Dry. Mm-hmm. Dry. That's definitely something that sounds like totally up my alley. Doing something revelish. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, perfection. Or selling it if the shoe fits. Uh-huh. <laughs> Unfortunately, it would fit here. However, uh-huh. it was not my point. <laughs> no, doing something that's so easy like that. Like that's yeah. genius. Why do we make things so complicated? I know. Well, because the USDA tells you that it's not safe. <laughs> let's not even go down that So let's get the next question. I'm actually gonna hit on actually, Arrow, you wrote some really good thoughts, the last three things you said um in these notes. But before we go to those last three thoughts, the one of the questions was, and I'm gonna ask you this because you're like go hang out yeah you're in that you're like in nature's princess like i've told you before it's true have you ever tried canning things from the wild and what would that be Ooh, yeah yeah i have okay and there's a lot um so i do a lot of oil infusions with things and those get canned if i don't do anything with them and they sit on the shelf and they are great but um, spruce tips, dandelion greens, um, any green, lamb's quarter greens, um, the wild mustard that comes up gets chopped up and it gets put in. I really like, um, I don't really like canned greens. And this is why it was kind of my question posed to you guys, if you had any experience with canned greens, because last year I found a woman, oh, I think um, the 1870s homestead, she's on YouTube and she's a big canner. And she goes through her pantry every year and she shows you what she's doing. But she did something one year and it was uh, because she had an abundance of kale. But then she ended up doing it with all of her greens from her cabbage. Like, you know, you take the cabbage, but then you have all those outside leaves you're not using. So she would use those. She would use the cauliflower greens. She would use any green and she would mix it with the venison that her husband killed. So it would be greens and venison together canned Mm -hmm. and I really liked that. So I canned some one year and that was really tasty. But other than that, like my kids aren't Popeye. They're not wanting a can of spinach, <laughs> but I, and I know I can use my freeze dryer and I know I can dehydrate greens and freeze them and blah, blah, blah. But sometimes I just want to reach on the shelf. And the shelf. Yeah. A can. There is and just I, something about yeah. pulling a jar of food off the shelf. I, I, I you will never convince me otherwise. All the yeah. other preservation methods are great and I use them all, but yeah. there's just something about pulling that jar of 
food off of your shelf mm-hmm. that you can. I, I yep. can't. It's it's a it's feeling until you've done it. It's a feeling mm-hmm. that you just nothing else matters. Satisfaction. It's so it's satisfaction. satisfaction. Yes. Yeah. 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 I would say awesome. for greens, um, besides canning them, because my family wouldn't go for the canned greens. Um, is yeah. even like the leaves and stuff, spinach, all of that. I'm freezing spinach right now because then I can make like artichoke spinach dip and stuff with it. Um, but mm-hmm. I'm going to dehydrate it and blend it and make super green powder to put in smoothies. Okay. So, um, or in soups or anything. Yep. Um, yeah. that's kind of my plan with all these extra leaves from broccoli and cauliflower and all of the cabbage and all of that, um, along with my spinach yeah. and stuff because beet greens. Yeah. yeah all of it. Like- all the anything. nutrients. Yeah. 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 Weeds. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just add anything. Put it, on add them. Put it in your, yeah. it put, if your yeah. family is like my, well, my kids are pretty good about vegetables, but my husband is not, he's getting better mm. as, as he's been married to me for 14 years yeah. and you know, miss health over here Him <laughs> and I and health uh-huh. are not I and I, but he is getting better as we go along. And there are like, when we first got married, canned green beans, canned corn was the only thing he would have enough. Like that's what he grew up on. Oh my that's goodness. That's it. And they had to be canned. And I grew up on every vegetable. And so for like the first year, I just made those because that's what he's liked. And I think it's sometimes just figuring out what your family likes. Well, too. well like, then I was like, how they like it prepared. I, I like this food. Mm. I like these veg- So I started making them and he eventually started trying them. And just the other day, I mean, his mom was going to keel over when he told her that he liked Brussels sprouts. She was like, you eat a Brussels sprout? I'm like, well, it took five years. But he did <laughs> try one. And after he tried one, he was like, that's pretty good. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Just getting like my kids were, we were laughing the other day because like, they're like, we're like opposite autos, mom. Cause all these, you know, parents complain that their kids won't eat vegetables and we fight over eating whatever mm-hmm. vegetables going off that day. And it's true. Like we ha- yeah. I have to make a huge pan or they will literally be like, I get the, why'd you take one. all the carrots? Yeah. Why'd you take yeah. all the, uh-huh. the greens? Yeah. That's so great. that's good. And the more you try the, the better it is. But so mm-hmm. Aaron, you wrote down like the last three thoughts. I want you to share those. Cause I Ooh, feel like yeah. those are really just to end this out. There's just sure. very, so yeah. So if you're, well, it doesn't matter where you are in your journey. Do something that challenges you every year. So maybe the garden is the thing that challenges you and you're on year one. Let that be it. But if not, try something different every year. Keep Use the winter months, use the non-planting season in order to get the plan together, get your mind together and then think, okay, what can I add to this that challenges me? And And go for it. And then don't be afraid to fail because that's going to happen. Um, you're not Superman. You can't, well, nobody is really, but you can't expect to succeed at everything. And when it does fail, don't just let it consume you. Don't let it overtake the garden, like move on quickly because gardens have this turnaround rate that people really don't think about. They don't think about succession planting they don't think about, okay, this crop is done or it's it's been eaten to all, all the way down to the nubs, but I'm just really hoping that it's going to grow back. No, cut it down, mm-hmm. plant something new, start again. Like that was a fail. Okay, start new. Mm-hmm. And, and don't be afraid to keep doing that. Maybe you don't have enough time in the season to do that. Okay, well, prep the bed, get it ready because you're going to have to do it next year. So, I mean- don't be afraid to fail and don't be afraid to step back on the horse quickly because you have such a limited time with your garden. 
Um, and then learn how to garden in every season for food. So for me, this is tricky because we live so far north that we've got six to eight months sometimes that we can't garden outside per se, which doesn't mean that we can't eat outside because there's still food outside, even when there's snow on the ground. Mm-hmm. It's the it's usually the trees and it's the wildlife, but that's still food. Right. Learn how to do it inside. Get some lights. Do it on your windowsill. Do microgreens. Like microgreens are all the craze right now in the cities. Oh. Learn how to eat in every season and learn how to grow your own food in every season. Eat seasonally. Yeah. That's something I'm I'm a goal of mine that I'm trying to work towards is not being so um well, we like potatoes every single year. So I'm just gonna run to the I'm out of potatoes. I'm just gonna run to the store and get it is put up what I can. And when they're gone, wait till next season. But one of the things I put on is to prepare, at least if you can, two years in advance, because prepare for the off year. And I love what you said. Don't be afraid to get back on the horse. Because even this year, when I was putting everything into the ground, I was thinking, I was just remembering how horrible last year and all the work that went into it to get to not have a good harvest. And it's frustrating. And um, this year, I, I already had like, is that, is it going to go? Are we going to be okay? Like I didn't get one squash plant at all. Any kind of squash, pumpkin, butternut, zucchini, yellow squash, none. Did the it grow at squash, all? Nope. They barely came up and then the squash bugs took all out. And mm. I just harvested and we enjoyed it last night. My first yellow squash. So it's like, don't let that be your next year, yes. you know, and don't hold on to that. But then prepare for those years. So mm-hmm. if you have an overabundance of tomatoes, and this is where I went wrong, is I plant, you know, I made enough sauce and canned all my tomatoes. And I'm like, I have way too many. I don't need any more tomatoes. So I just started giving them away, which is great. And I blessed somebody else. But then last year, I hardly got a tomato crop. And so, you know, now we have no more tomato sauce at all. I still have my frozen one. So I'm making it the way that I do with the roasted and all of that. But just remembering that just because you have one year's worth of food put up, if you have extra, maybe try and do another year or half of a year so that yeah. in case your next year doesn't go well, you're, you still have stuff on your shelf. Yeah. yeah. And that's, I think that's really, really wise. I've, I heard that tip, I think from the Homesteader family or something. That's like where that. she showed. And it was last year when I was, um, she is, she shared it and I yeah. thought it was an aha moment for me where they were getting an abundance of cold and rain where it was the middle or end of June and they still, and they're in North Idaho, they couldn't, still couldn't even get anything in the ground yet. And she's like, we're virtually not going to have a season at all yes. because if we don't get our tomatoes in the ground, like two weeks ago, we're not yeah. going to get it before our first frost. And she right. said, so that's why you always need to prepare for two years in advance. And then Just, we ended up with a drought. And we ended up like, with a drought. And so we yeah. had the same issue, but a different weather climate, you know? Yeah. And so um, it just was a, an eye opener for me is that I was always like, I want to put up a year's worth of food, yeah. but maybe go a little bit farther than that. And most of the time it does. Like a lot yeah. of the times when you end up putting up, you're putting up way too much food. I know. You, you, you really are. And, and that's not to say, um, I, I hope it didn't come off selfish of not trying to give and help other people as well with it, but, um, you know, try, try and put up as much as you can. And then if you still have leftovers, bless the family with it or somebody else. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, something we've done, um, and honestly, it's kind of, uh, we got it from 
scriptures where we start reading this and it was we we've talked about just giving the first 10 percent of our produce mm-hmm. away and that way yeah when we get to the end like we're not scripting like scrapping for any 10 percent to give away yeah, yeah. so like it's just kind of like 10 like we talk about this even like with our days like yeah we give the first 10 percent away that's another way to actually view it too is either give the last 10 percent but or the, mm-hmm. or the first 10 percent so yeah just kind of I, I don't think it was selfish at all to say that. Like, because yeah, no. even for us, like we've, we, you're trying, you're growing that, you're preparing that. And if someone was, came to you and they were actually hungry, right. you'd have that on your shelf. I'd have it to give to them. So, so yeah. you know, just being wise with what you what have, is, I felt it. like is what you were trying to say. Yes. Yes. So I think that actually wraps up this episode. Um, so if you're a gardener or even if you're kind of looking into it, the one thing I love about that homesteading moms group is that there's so many people in there that don't even have a space for a garden, yeah. but yet they're trying to learn because they might want Hope, to yes. be in that place at some point. So yeah. hopefully it was helpful to all levels of gardeners. Um, yeah. That processing food doesn't have to be all crazy and hard. Yeah. And it's not lazy to want an easier way either. I will just no. say that sometimes it's just, yeah. you know, does it taste yeah. just as good if I take one less step? And yes. more times right. than not, it, it does. does. Yep. Right. So, well, and if you're sorry, one last thought on this, because <laughs> it's a lot and the growing season, if you're a gardener, it is a marathon yes. of food. You have to pace yourself and you have to know that you're not going to put up everything. I like I tried. You are not going to put up everything that you possibly can. I forgot about asparagus. Like I yeah. totally forgot about asparagus. You can can asparagus. Thank mm-hmm. you. But so that's the thing this year. It's like, well, I didn't get to that in years past. I'm going to focus on that this year, but trying to get everything all at once, you're not going to do it. Bite off what you can chew and just work on that. And I think just to bring it full circle, if you really know what your family likes, yes, store the crazies out of that uh, yeah. because then you'll know it'll get used well. Yes. Yeah. So it, all your time spending processing, whether you choose the long way and you want to peel all your tomatoes or you just want to throw them in the oven, yeah. it's going to get used. Yeah. So that will close us out. And we hope to see you next time for episode 10. So thanks for hanging out with us. See you next time. See ya. You've been listening to the Whole Topic Podcast. To hear more, to see behind the scenes, or to get a hold of us directly, visit our socials, Facebook and Instagram, The Whole Topic Podcast. If you'd like to hear more from Andrea, visit her blog at dearmark23.com, where she talks about whole foods, whole grains, and whole living. If you'd like to hear more from Stephanie, visit theranchershomestead.com, where she talks about simple living, gluten-free recipes, and farm life. If you'd like to see more from me, visit wildandforagecare.com, where I talk about simple living, wild recipes, and natural remedies. Thank you for listening, and God bless.